Come Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. On the Sunday within the octave of the Nativity, I'll say something about it, an octave. Um, octave means eight days. We celebrate great feasts for eight days. It's, it's as if time is suspended. God created the world in the six days, then rested on the seventh day, and that eighth day is, has a mystical meaning to it. Um, meaning that we enter into that, in a sense, spiritually, that eternal rest in the kingdom. And this Sunday, within the octave of the Nativity, we celebrate within the octave really Christmas every day, but with different emphases, we're celebrating this octave on Sunday of the birth of our Lord. And the Gospel is, is chapter 2 from St. Luke, where we read of the presentation of the baby Jesus in the temple, when Simeon, who had been given a revelation by God that he would not die until he saw the Savior, he takes the baby Jesus in his arms, and he says, this child shall be the rise and the fall of many, and will be like a sword that shall pierce your soul, Mary. That has been interpreted as piercing Mary's heart, the same understanding, the same meaning. Why? This was a, a prophecy by Simeon, moved by the Holy Spirit, that Mary would suffer with her son in the very act of the redemption, the objective redemption, as we call it. We can offer up our sufferings through Christ now, but Mary did so at the time of Christ's sacrifice. That is why she is the co-redemptress. And Simeon wasn't really revealing to Mary anything she did not already know. Mary knew the Old Testament scriptures. She read them with a clarity unsurpassed. And the Old Testament, especially the prophet Isaiah, for example, speaks of the suffering servant, the Messiah who will suffer. Mary knew this, and she knew that her son was the Messiah, that he would suffer. She wasn't sure how he would suffer, the extent of that suffering, but she knew that he would suffer, and that sword which pierced her heart, her soul, was lived out say during the whole of the time from, from the time she conceived Jesus, but especially when she was at the foot of the cross, uniting the pain in her mother's heart to her son and his suffering for our redemption. And one of the things that has caused pain to Mary's heart, because Mary knew at the foot of the cross she was suffering for all of our sins. And some theologians say, well, she knew in a general way our sins. Others, and I'm with the others, say that Mary was, was given a special knowledge by God. See, Jesus knew all of us. He knew our sins. He suffered for them. Mary was given a special grace to see our sins as well, so she could suffer with Christ for our sins. And one of the, the sins that I'm sure pierced the heart of Mary and caused her pain, was to know that her son would be misunderstood. She saw this during her own life with 
Jesus. That's why they crucified him. They didn't understand who he was. And she also knew in the future there would be people who would misinterpret her son, distort her son's teaching, and basically be heretics and deny her son, deny his divinity. The world does not know who Jesus Christ is. If the world did, the whole world would convert to Christ. And one of the beautiful teachings, and it's in our catechism, about Jesus Christ and his divine nature relates to the end of our gospel today, where St. Luke tells us that they returned to Galilee, and uh, to their own town of Nazareth, the child grew and became strong. He was full of wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Another translation says he grew in, in knowledge and filled with wisdom. Filled with wisdom because he's God, but was Jesus able to grow in knowledge? Well, here I'll just quote the traditional teaching of the Church, which is in our Catechism of the Catholic Church. And this is called the, the triple knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're talking about his human knowledge. Jesus, just to remind ourselves, is one person. He's not a human person. I'll say that again. He's not a human person. I'll say that once more. He's not a human person. He is a divine person. He is the second person of the Trinity. And he has two natures. He has a divine nature because he is God. And he's all the attributes of God. Divine knowledge. A divine will. But at the Incarnation, he took upon himself with the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Virgin Mary, he took his humanity, a human nature, human body, human soul. And in that human soul, Jesus has a human intellect and a human will. So Jesus has a divine intellect, a divine mind, because he is the second person of the Trinity, and a human intellect as well. How did the human intellect and the divine intellect work with one another? This is a mystery, part of the mystery of the person. Christ. Well, in his human knowledge, Jesus had a threefold knowledge. First of all, and our catechism says this, <clears throat> he had first the intimate and immediate knowledge that the saints have of God in heaven. And this is called the beatific vision. The saints see God directly, not through concepts. We understand God through concepts, through images. In heaven, we're going to see God directly with our mind's eye. And we will behold God forever and learn more and more about him. Well, Jesus, from the moment of his conception, and this is the teaching of the Church, the encyclical Mystici Corporis on the mystical body of Christ, Pope Pius XII, back in, I think it was 1943, who was basically teaching the, what, what the Church has always taught, and which St. Thomas Aquinas taught clearly, that from the moment of Christ's conception, he had the beatific vision. His human mind saw God. He was God. Jesus, in his human knowledge, also, as our Catechism says, this is 473, he also showed divine penetration into the secret thoughts of human hearts. 
Jesus could read people's minds. He knew what they were thinking. How did he know this in his human knowledge? Well, this refers to the infused knowledge that he had. God, the second person of the Trinity, with his divine knowledge infused, put in his human mind knowledge of about everything. <laughs> he knew what people were thinking. He knew who was against him, who was for him. That's why Jesus could speak the way he, he did. You know, heretics have denied this because at times Jesus, for example, he said when asked about when these things would happen, he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. He said, no one knows. The angels in heaven, not even the Son, only the Father knows when these things will happen. Heretics throughout the ages have said, ah, look at Jesus didn't know. No, Jesus knew it was his way of saying, I can't tell you these things. And here is um, Saint Ephraim the deacon speaking to that, those words of Jesus when he says, no one knows but the Father. <clears throat> he says, Jesus described the signs of his second coming. How could what he has himself decided regarding his second coming be hidden from him? Therefore he used these words, no one knows except the Father, to increase respect for the signs of his coming, so that from that day forward all generations might think he would come again in their own day. So Jesus had a beatific vision from conception. He had infused knowledge, knowledge placed by God into his human mind. And finally, Jesus had what is called experiential knowledge. And that is why St. Luke would say he grew in knowledge. What type of knowledge could he grow in? Well, through the knowledge of experience. We as, as human beings experience things. He worked at the carpenter shop with Joseph. He learned to make a table, items out of wood, okay, that human knowledge would gain from the experience of doing something, that is what Jesus could grow in. And this is the third type of a knowledge that he has. That's what St. Luke refers to in our Gospel today, how he could grow in, in strength and wisdom. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll return now to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary could foresee how her son would be misinterpreted, misunderstood, his divinity would be denied. Many scholars, so-called scholars, would be surprised to learn that the Catechism, which I just quoted from you, says what it says, because they don't believe things about Jesus that the Church teaches. Let us compassionate with Mary, our, our mother, on this Sunday, the octave of Christmas, and on the one hand, to compassionate with her for that sword of sorrow which she wore in her heart throughout her whole time since she conceived Jesus in the womb, which reached its apex at Calvary. But let us also share the joy of Mary's heart because this is the octave of Christmas. We can ask Mary to share that, that wonder and awe 
that she must have felt in her heart, looking down at the baby Jesus in the manger, Joseph as well. We can ask them to share that, that joy with us, that awe, that wonder of the Christ child born for us. He who is God and became man while remaining God, let us ask that we grow into a deeper knowledge of the God-man, Jesus Christ, to share that joy of Jesus and Mary at his glorious birth, to proclaim that good news to others, to share that joy which can only come through a deep knowledge and love of Christ with all those we encounter, encounter in this holy season of the nativity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.